Hi everyone, it's Dina McKay and I'm back with a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged, the podcast that allows Blacks in tech to share their authentic stories with you, the listener. On each episode, the guest talks about how they got into tech, their work in the industry, and lessons they've learned during their journey. You can find full show notes for this episode on blacktechunplugged.com. On this episode, I have a special guest host, Dewan Lightfoot. Now you might recognize him for episode 21 of the podcast, but allow me to reintroduce him. For those who don't know, Dewan is an Air Force veteran, IT professional, and the founder of the Lab Everyday Movement. As a YouTube content creator, Dewan is a very powerful advocate for career advancement. His inspiring nuts and bolts advice gets you right on track for making your career shine. His ultimate goal is to share the knowledge and experience he has obtained throughout his career, and he strives to help those who are often left behind. On this episode, Dewan and I cover some of the top tech news from the last couple of weeks. Some of the topics that we cover include Elizabeth Holmes, who is the former CEO and founder of a now defunct health tech company called Theranos. So you'll learn more about her story and why she's on trial. We talk about the iPod turning 20. We'll talk about the Snapchat stock and why it's decreasing at an alarming rate. And last but never least, Facebook and all of its woes, because there are so many I cannot list. I hope you enjoy this episode, and if you do, make sure to rate and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast today. And also, this is the last episode for the season, and so you will not get a new episode until January 2022. So enjoy this episode, and like I said, if you do, make sure to rate and subscribe today. Now let's get it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. I'm here with a special guest, Dewan. How's it going? Hey, what's up, Dina? How you doing? I'm doing great. Now, for people who don't know, he is not new to this. He has his own episode, episode 21. But I know that you have had a lot of growth and evolution between now and that episode. So want to give an update on like what life has been doing. You're still the creator of Lab Every Day, but your career journey. Yeah. Um, you know, God's been good. Thank you for bringing me on, Dina. Yeah. Now, tw- what was that? 2018. It was like November. At that time, you know, I was doing network engineering for a government agency. I transitioned to a senior network engineering role, doing network engineering, got into some more automation, doing some things that I really enjoyed. But now I'm at Cisco doing network developer advocacy. So I focus on helping organizations and professionals get started with network automation and learning some of the latest Cisco technologies. Nice, nice. And today we are going to bring you some of the top tech stories that have happened in the last couple of weeks. So let's hop right into it. The first story that I want to cover is the story with Elizabeth Holmes and what she's going through with Theranos. Let me just give some background. So for people who don't know, she's a former businesswoman. She was the founder and chief executive for that company. It was a health tech company. And they claimed that they were going to revolutionize blood testing. In 2015, Forbes had named her the youngest and wealthiest self-made female billionaire in America. If you want to watch more details about the story, check out the HBO documentary, The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. It's about a two-hour documentary. You can get all the details there. Regardless, Elizabeth is on her, basically her season finale of everything that's been going on because this is on trial. She's facing a dozen federal fraud charges over allegations that she knowingly misled her investors, doctors, and patients about her company's blood testing capabilities. And so she did that in order to take their money. 
She's pleaded not guilty. She faces up to 20 years in prison. And just like her rise, there's been twists and turns in this trial. So, Dewan, do you want to kind of go into what you've learned about the case? Yeah, I, I think she's like really interesting. You know, she founded that company like when she was 19, right? Mm-hmm. And during the time, I think it was around 2008, the IPO was like on the list for like $1 billion. And at that time, nobody was really doing billion dollar IPOs. You know what I mean? Right. And so for me, like when I look at this case, like from a high level, it's kind of like she had an MVP, like an idea that she wanted to present, whether she knowingly or unknowingly. Sounds like she did it knowingly, but she would say, hey, the app really works or whatever technology she had really worked. It could solve all your problems. And she hid all of the errors and, you know, the failed demonstrations that she had, she hid that very well. And she had her team on board to do it. You know what I mean? Right. And these people were going along with it. Like, I wouldn't be going down with her ship. Exactly. I think what happened is she got involved with the government. I read something about she had some some contract with the military and they were shipping some of these these blood testing samples to Africa. And they were saying that it needed to handle the heat at that time, but it couldn't did it. It didn't, it wasn't successful. And so I think her getting involved with the government and maybe taking government money is like the real problem. Like when you do that, that's little fraud, waste and abuse. You know what I mean? Mm, yes. Well, you know, she also tried to get Pfizer involved. So she was saying that Pfizer endorsed Theranos and the technology behind everything. Right. And a former Pfizer scientist said they didn't sign off on that. They did not know that there was, you know, have any interest in that. But they were using Pfizer's logo on their different media. And so she was a fraud for a lot of things. And now it's coming out in court. I think once she goes to jail or if she goes to jail, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. But I think like she needs to create a course on marketing because to create a, a billion dollar IPO, you know, something that doesn't even work. Like I want to go to that course like right now. <laughs> and that's why it's so important that I wanted to bring up this case. This has not happened before. And also being that this is not a person of color, I'm intrigued to see what the verdict will be. Like, do you think she's actually going to get any of the time that she could possibly get? So she's up for 20 years in prison. You know what? That's a tough one. From what I read that they're like on the third juror that's been dismissed. (laughs) The case has been delayed. She's had a baby during the case. So I I don't know. It's going to be like a real interesting trial. If anything, it'd probably be like a Martha Stewart situation where she goes Mm. to jail for like a year and then has to like go away and then she'll come back with something new or something. I don't know. Mm, That's a good theory. So you think she's going to be at Camp Cupcake and get off a little bit easy? Yes, I I do. (laughs) I don't think it's going to be as serious as, as the case is making out. I think it's more so unbelievable because of her having this, you know, IPO and nothing ever working. You know what I mean? Right. You know, it is giving me like real fry festival vibes where that guy, you remember, he did all, took all those people's money, basically was a fraud as we know. And then I think he went to jail for a little bit, but then got caught up in something again. So I feel like you're probably leaning in the right direction by saying like, yeah, she'll probably be doing something along the same lines. Yeah, when people can attract money, you know, they can go to jail and get out and they'll attract it again. Like when you have that gift, it just works like that. I guess. I mean, (laughs) if I see her coming, I'm not investing, but that's just me. Me neither. (laughs) But 
I think this is a case, like I said, this is a case everyone needs to have their eyes on. So if you haven't been listening, at least keep up with some of the highlights from the Elizabeth Holmes trial. All I can say is let's see what happens. Yep. Let's see. And turning to a brighter note, because I know Elizabeth Holmes is a little bit of a drag. Did you know that the iPod turned 20 this year? I I feel super old. (laughs) I know. I feel like I'm showing my age by that. But did you ever have an iPod, Dewan? Uh, Yes, I probably had about 20 iPods in the 20 years (laughs) that iPod's been out. (laughs) Now, let me reiterate, because, you know, it's probably some people for the youth who are listening to the episode and don't even know what an iPod is. iPods are an Apple product that was used for listening to music. So we could technically call it our favorite music player before the iPhones, because now the iPhone is like a one-stop shop, right? We listen to music on there. We make phone calls, whatever. But back in the day, we didn't have all those options. So we had our iPod. And then whatever phone we had, I I had an iPod shuffle and a sixth generation iPod, which I will admit I still have today. It works and I'm happy with it. You you know, the funny thing is back in like 2000, I was in the military and I had like an MP3 player, right? Mm. And at the time, my MP3 player could hold, and this is like after the Walkman, after the CD player that came out, MP3 players. My MP3 player could hold 128 megabits of music. So that was about 30 songs or something like that. That's all it could hold. And then you had the <laughs> iPod that came out and it held five gigs. Like I could put all my music on this iPod. Like it was amazing. So one, that was amazing because the iPod was like one of the first products that truly showed the innovation from an Apple perspective. Yep. There were not like, you know, a whole bunch of iPhones like we have now, which honestly aren't changing that much, but there wasn't a bunch of like Apple products at the time. iPod was like really what turned them around and started getting them to the forefront of technology. So it's crazy to think that it's been 20 years since all of that happened. Yes, it it is crazy. You you know, something I learned by researching this is that I didn't know iTunes itself wasn't around anymore on mm. like the iPhone and the Mac. And I have an iPhone. I still call it iTunes, but it's no longer <laughs> iTunes. It's Apple Music. Like <laughs> I, f- I felt really like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm in tech and sometimes I just don't pay attention to things that aren't in my tech space. You can't keep up with everything. It's not possible. So I completely feel you on that. But yeah, I think we're fully showing our age now by talking about these iPads and calling things <laughs> iTunes. So I hope no one is judging us while listening to this episode. (laughs) So along the same vein, do you remember Snapchat? I've never used Snapchat, but I remember it. Really? You never use Snapchat? Dana, I'm what? I'm going to be 40 next year, right? And so for me, (laughs) there's just some things that, you know, I I, I try to keep my grown man on. I just never saw like (laughs) Snapchat being a thing for me. (laughs) And I'm married. So like my friends that use Snapchat, they were using it for different reasons. And those reasons just aren't my reasons. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. That makes sense. You know what? To be honest, I never thought about a man using Snapchat. So I will, I will let you, (laughs) I will let you live on this one, but I don't know if you saw, so In the past couple of weeks, there was an update around how data is taken from certain apps. And due to that update, Snapchat was affected a lot. So do you want to touch on that a little bit? 
Yeah. So just to kind of like grasp in like financial terms, at the at the time that this happened, Snapchat stock was at like eighty three dollars mm-hmm. or maybe around seventy dollars. But at the peak of September, Snapchat stock was at eighty three dollars, and then. When Apple made this change, this privacy change to give like us users that use the iPhone the option to hide our data or not get sold to by certain apps, the stock dropped to like below fifty five dollars. It's back up to fifty five now, but you know that's like a, what over twenty dollar loss just off the stock share. So that's a huge impact to a company's market share and value. You know, You're right? Just to give exact numbers, twenty six point six percent in trading. Man. That is crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I think we want to call out too is what makes it so crazy is the other apps like Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, other apps that also collect data. They didn't drop that bad. They dropped like four or 5% and Snapchat dropped 26% in trading. But I mean, another thing, like when we look at Snapchat, Snapchat has to compete with Instagram. Mm-hmm. Snapchat has to compete with TikTok mm-hmm. and like those two apps alone, you know, I don't hear people talk about Snapchat like they used to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I don't think it's necessarily related to just the privacy, but the privacy was just like the, maybe the so-called nail in the coffin because we haven't really seen like these big um, social media apps go away like MySpace and Black Planet went away yet. They've mm-hmm. they've been able to lag around for, well, I don't know how long Snapchat has been around, but it's been able to stick around for at least, what, five years now? Oh, yeah, definitely has stuck around for over five years. <laughs> but I think the bigger picture that we need to look at is how companies are using our data, because especially if you're using Snapchat, there are a lot of pieces of data that you don't even know that they're collecting that they were taking. That's a really good point. But the thing about this whole thing with Apple making this change is that although Apple gives you the power to say, I don't want to get ads from this this app, I don't want to share my information, Apple stills uses your information and however they see fit. So Mm -hmm. they're just being able to say, okay, if you're going to use the iPhone for these developers, we can add more value because we know exactly how our users are using these phones. And there's no competition now for Apple for users that use the phone. You know, the developers now are at the mercy of Apple. Right. And like, let's just keep it a hundred. We could be sitting here now. We're having this conversation, even though we are not speaking into our phones, they hearing this conversation. When we turn the phone on and go to whatever, be it an app or whatever, we are going to see an ad probably for Snapchat now, which I'm sorry that now we have to see Snapchat ads (laughs) or, you know, we're going to see whatever we're talking about when we pick up the phone. I understand why it happens. I'm not naive to that. I understand why data and ads and why everything's working this way from an advertising perspective. But you have to understand that is still insane. The invasion of privacy that we've allowed into our lives is going, I mean, it's already bit us in the butt for many, many reasons, but imagine that just affecting a Snapchat stock, how much further this can go if we continue to fight for our data and our rights when it comes to ad-related tracking or how our data is being used. This is just kind of outside the box. What if companies like Apple and Facebook started paying users for their data? like to use the apps? Like what if you, the more time you spend on it, they paid you, would it change the dynamics of this conversation? Because they're getting rich from you just using it, these apps or they're already rich. I don't 
No. Okay. If you said Instagram, I might be more, (laughs) (laughs) I might be more into it because that's just the main app that I use for me. I'm not really a big Facebook user. Definitely don't use Snapchat. I would even say Twitter. I could see. So if you said they're going to offer to pay you for using their app, I might think about it. What about for you? Yeah. I don't know. You know, I've never been big on social media. Mm-hmm. Even like before I started my YouTube channel and stuff, like I didn't really do social media because I saw in the beginning what it was all about, you know, and I am I love my time and I love my privacy. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I started using social media, my whole thing is to help people. But outside of helping people, like if social media went away today, you know, it wouldn't matter to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the reason that I said, oh, I probably would do it is because I don't put anything that's like highly personal on social media. Like I'm going to show you what you need to see. And that's about it. I'm not showing you every room of my house. It's almost like in a way, to be honest, it's like selling your soul to the devil. (laughs) What are they going to do with this stuff? And we have to think about the long-term repercussions of they actually paid us to do it, what that would look like. Right. Because what does it look like now? We give it to them for free. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. That's a whole conversation. We have a whole episode talking about that. So yes, I, yes, I understand. Speaking of companies who use data, we have to touch on Facebook. I think everybody knows that Facebook is just, Facebook is going through some things and they need some help. They need some milk. It seems like everything is piling onto them. And they can't catch a break here lately. They're too big. Oh, that's what you think is the issue. Yeah. I mean, just look, just look at like when Facebook started, mm-hmm. it, it started with the college students. And so then everybody started picking up and using Facebook. Next thing you know, Facebook like implemented, I think the like button has been around like forever, but they not only implemented the like button on Facebook, but now when you go to like, CNN or ESPN or these other platforms, you can like with the Facebook like button on these platforms. And so they've been getting all this data since then. And then on top of that, now they implemented, I would say maybe six, seven years ago, probably further than that. It's called OAuth authentication, where now when you log into a website, you can log in by using your Facebook account. Right. And so they're getting data, not just from the things you like, the fact that you use Facebook, the people that you talk to, as well as the sites that you log into, because they're not like a search engine or a browser. You're logging into these sites with these Facebook accounts and you're handing over all your data. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But you know what's crazy? I bet a lot of people don't realize that's what they're doing when they, you know, say log in using your Facebook account or whatever. For me, because it if you read the agreements that are up there, it tells you exactly what they're going to view, exactly what they have access to. And so Facebook has been using that data, storing that data, you know, probably better than Google. I mean, Google, they've been doing this since the beginning of the internet, but they're not as, I would say, forthright with it as Facebook, because that's how Facebook makes its money, because it sells ads off of the data that they have of you. Google does it through search and things like that. So it's not as forthcoming because it's more focused on like your Google searches, but these ads are focused on why you're using Facebook, you know? Now, DeWine, you know that most people are not reading 
the terms and conditions. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so that's problem number one of why people don't know that this is what's going on with their data. So that's going to be the first thing. But I totally agree with you and understand where you're coming from, especially from a security perspective. What's crazy is now seeing all the stuff that's going on with the Facebook papers. They have former employees testifying against them in Congress, telling everything that they're seeing behind the scenes. So what are your thoughts on that? I want to see a company poll from within Facebook. <laughs> I would okay. like to see a poll on like what's the morale and like what mm. people really think about working at Facebook right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And another thing, and it's just not Facebook, it's YouTube, it's Instagram, and it's Twitter. The thing that most upset me about, let's say, the algorithms, the best thing that I liked about social media was the timeline, like on Instagram. Like if you scroll through, you can catch up with everybody just by scrolling through the timeline. Mm -hmm. But but now they're using these algorithms, even on your timeline, to show you what they want you to see. Even on the, like your friends and, and things like that, they will mute people, and you won't even see their their content. Even if you scroll all the way through your con their your timeline, and then you have to go to their page to catch up with them. I don't know why they do that, but I don't like that. You know? Yeah. And let's even take it back to like the January 6th, everything that happened at the Capitol. So you can do something as simple as you mentioned, right? But all of the stuff that has been on Facebook that one has in a way affected its users. So you rather have this maximum engagement over user safety, but you could do something as simple as you mentioned. It doesn't make sense to me. They need to definitely look on their internal processes because they have a real issue at hand. And also let's talk about how everything is connected to Facebook. And what I mean yeah. by that is, for instance, when it went down, I think it was a couple of weeks ago now, and they couldn't figure out why Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, why is everything down? Why is everything connected to this one space? Everything is stemming from this one social media platform that has now basically turned into a conglomerate. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a con conglomerate. So Facebook owns Instagram, Facebook owns WhatsApp, and it owns both of those apps. So right. when you think of like the terms of networker and data center, they, all of those platforms probably feed into Facebook's network. So Facebook can get all the data and manage those networks as well. Now, when it comes to Facebook, when you talk about the company as a whole, one thing you have to think about is they told a fine line of allowing free speech. Mm-hmm. And so who determines what's hate speech and what's not hate speech in a political sense, right. not in a, a race sense or, you know, a derogatory gender sense or anything like that. But in a political sense, what is hate speech? That's hard to say because it varies person to person. It varies person to person. And people really get upset about this, just like religion, you mm -hmm. know, and people may say, you know, well, I hate this, blah, blah, blah. And if they say that, is that hate speech because it's political or is it hate speech because someone doesn't like it? Okay. True, true, true. I'm just kind of like thinking from a terms of how hard that would be to manage it, you know, because they mm -hmm. get a lot of flack about like the, the political hate speech, but I'm like, that has to be really hard to allow people to voice their opinions. Because if you decide to say what's hate speech, and this isn't hate speech because you affiliate with that party, then now like, that's not fair. I mean, you're correct in saying that. So what do you advise Facebook do to have a better standing? What do you think they can do to improve and get more approval from users? 
that's that's tough. I would not want that job. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to say, like, what they could do to turn everything around because they are in a tough spot right now. Have you read any parts of the Facebook papers? Yes, I've read some. And so, like, when you look at the, the statements from people internal about how they're handling the algorithms and things and, and, and topics and music and things in different countries mm-hmm. and how people, and w- even within Facebook, feel that Facebook isn't standing up for them, and but they're ch- picking and choosing where they are standing up and taking a stance on. I think, you f- for one, you have to listen to your employees. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, again, we're talking about free speech for a lot of what's going on. From what I read, a lot of it, Although it may come across as hate speech, if it's hate speech on gender, if it's hate speech on race, I can understand that. But if it's on political terms, I I, I kind of question it. Now, the violence part, I think they they should really hone in on the violence, like the January 6th situation. Mm-hmm. From my understanding, there was some some talk of violence. And I think if that's going on, they should really fix that, because with the algorithm, when we talk about like the election time and the January 6th and all of these things, like that algorithm was actively feeding you this content. And, and this isn't just Facebook. This is even on like YouTube. One of the things about me, like I, I watch YouTube in incognito mode and different other platforms. I, I go to them in incognito mode because mm-hmm. I don't want the algorithm to start. Like, let's say I want to watch an interview from DJ Academics. Mm-hmm. I don't want the algorithm to start showing me DJ academics <laughs> all day. <laughs> like, I just want to see this one interview and move on. But I don't want my whole like timeline to start showing me this content because, again, it's, it's built to be engaging and to keep you on the platform. Right. And I don't want to get sucked into those traps. Right. Right. No, I feel you on that. And then, you know, you watch this one interview and let's say, The algorithm shows you, oh, this is interesting. This is interesting. And all of a sudden, you aren't accomplishing what you want to accomplish. You wasted a lot of time. You aren't motivated. And even to the point of now, mentally, it's it's messing with your your whole emotions. You know, Mm. you you can't focus. You're feeling, let's say, um, depressed. You're feeling however you're feeling. Well, a lot of times it's because of social media and these algorithms. Right, right. Overall, I'll say the positive thing that has come from the situation is I hope that people are opening their eyes to seeing what is actually going on, especially from a social media perspective. Yeah, we all go on here, have fun games, laugh, haha, memes, whatever. But using our data, the ad targeting, this is serious stuff. And also the misinformation that's being spread on these social media platforms. But that could be, again, a whole episode on another day. But I hope people are opening their eyes to seeing the real effects of what social media is happening. And also, I'm happy that people are speaking up and being heard. Because imagine if this was like 20 some years ago, where social media wasn't a huge thing, we would never know. And it's because of being able to spread stories and actually be real whistleblowers and being able to have your story spread like wildfire easily that we're able to understand and hear what's going on at Facebook and other companies. So I am happy that this is happening and that we get to know what's going on on the inside. But I also hope that this will create change within Facebook. They start listening to their workers and they actually start getting back to the social good of things instead of profit. Yeah. It'd be nice if the black community could create our own platform. That'd be amazing. 
Ooh, yeah. I mean, now is the time. So if anybody knows somebody who's making this platform, let me know. I love to have them on the podcast. We got to support it. We got to support it. Yes. All right, Dewan. So I usually end these episodes with a question. And so this one is going to be around working on a team. And, you know, sometimes when you're working on a team, there's that one team member that's just like not on the same wave. They are a little bit disruptive. And so I want your opinion of what do you do when you're on a team and a team member is disruptive and isn't flowing with the team? What do you do? What advice do you have? So I think everybody has to be on the same page and everybody has to see everybody else's value to the team and, you know, kind of play your position because we all don't move at the same speed and we also all don't have the same strengths. So when it comes to being on the team, if somebody is actively trying to do their job, they're just maybe not as, let's say, good in the area. I like to communicate with a team and see, like, where are we struggling you know what I mean? Because sometimes it could be do- documentation needs to be better or there needs to be more training. So maybe we need to have a training session together mm-hmm. or maybe there's a miscommunication on the team. So having a, a quick team meeting to make sure we're all on the same page or maybe in the team, we all have different goals. So now we kind of got a line to say, OK, what's the what's the organizational goals? And then what are your goals and how can I help you be successful? And then here are my goals. And maybe you can help me be successful when we kind of move at the same speed. OK. I would take a different approach, I think. For me, I I wouldn't say I'm a confrontational person, but I like to have things out in the open and have things on the table. I think I would approach that person, especially if you were getting like team member feedback and they're like, hey, I don't feel comfortable or, you know, here's some of the behavior and it's detrimental to the team. I honestly think I would approach that person and see if it's stemming from maybe a past experience or maybe they were on a previous project or worked at a previous company where they had to have their guard up or had to have certain behaviors. And I think I would try to coach them through that. And I say that because I think we don't take into account a lot of people have PTSD from certain jobs. And so people come into these new roles or they come into a new space and they're like, this is what I've done before. Sometimes people are defensive. Sometimes people, a lot of people have different leadership styles or different styles when it comes to connecting with others. So I think I would do a lot of coaching around how to make the work environment inclusive, as well as making sure that that person understands, okay, how we work here is not how you probably worked at a different place. And we're going to have to get through this together, but you're going to have to have an open spirit for us to be able to do that. Right, right. I, I totally understand that. You can be in some tough situations at work. You know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> with, with team members. And I've been in some tough ones, but, you know, I always like I'm a patient person. And so when it comes to and, and also I don't have I've never really had anybody try me at work. So mm-hmm. it's not really affecting me. You know what I mean? So if, if a person is making things difficult, like to do my job, then at that point, yeah, we're going to have to have a talk to say, oh, like, OK, you know, I had this ticket or I was working on this project and, you know, I completed this task, but you went back and kind of broke things. Like what happened with that? And, you know, let's make sure that doesn't happen again. You know, so we're all on the same page. I think a lot of it is communication, but sometimes we don't communicate the same and we don't hear the same as well. Mm, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's the biggest part is that sometimes the way I say something is not the way it's being heard. And so understanding that 
and then meeting somebody where they are to find out, okay, what's their communication style or how do, how do they really listen? Maybe they don't listen. Maybe I need to send them an email or something. Right. And you know what that makes me think of? You know, there's a meme that goes around that says, I used to think communication was the biggest thing, but really it's the comprehension that's really important. On both sides, because... Mm-hmm. When you're on a team, you know, people want to be heard. So you have to actively listen to your teammates as well and not just feel like you're the only one that's right. You know, right. Yes. Yes. And I think that is a lot of work. I'm going to put it that way (laughs) because everybody has a different experience and everybody comes with different energy. So take some time and it takes patience to get everyone aligned and on the same page. Yes. You know, um, when I worked for the government a few like years ago, I actually took a class on active listening. They, they, government gives you all types of like soft skill classes. Nice. But one of the things I learned in that active listening class is when you hear somebody and you having like a stressful conversation, it's, it's best to replay what you hear them saying before you respond. You know what I mean? So they mm-hmm. know that they feel heard. And then they'll be less combative because they they feel that you are actually listening to whatever they're saying. Even if you don't agree with them, if you are to replay exactly what they said, maybe um, in the way that you heard it, then that gives them a chance to readdress it or to say, yeah, okay, this person is hearing me. And now you can rebuttal if you need to. You ever have a conversation with somebody and you say something and then like, as soon as you get done talking, they respond, but they never re- answer what you said, or they never talk about, or, you know, they never addressed what you just said to them. They just re- automatically respond because they had the idea whether they, what they wanted to say on their mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so active listening is the, a different approach rather than immediately responding, taking time to process what the person says, replay it back to them and then respond with whatever you have to say. I like that. And I think more people need to take that approach. And that kind of goes to the old saying of you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. And that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Well, Dewan, it was such a pleasure having you on the episode today. Any final thoughts you want to leave with my listeners? Where can they find you and Lab Every Day? Hey, Dana, this has been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on your platform. To everyone that's listening, you know, be encouraged, stay motivated and keep going. You can find me at Lab Every Day on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and my website at LabEveryDay.com. Yep. Be inspired. And thanks again. Thanks for listening to Black Tech Unplugged. I'm Dina McKay, and you can find the podcast on all social media sites under Black Tech Unplugged. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave a written review, too. It would help me out a lot and help other people find the podcast. Also, if you're looking for tech news to hit your inbox so that you can keep up on the latest trends, I have a deal for you. Emerging Tech Brew is a newsletter that I use, and I have a link in the show notes to share the newsletter with you. So make sure to subscribe to that newsletter if you want tech news in your inbox. And more so, I've mentioned this before, but Hustle Crew is a lovely organization that has classes and gives information around diversity and inclusion. One, if you're not following them on social media, make sure to do that now. But two, if you're interested in doing a monthly or yearly membership with Hustle Crew, you can use my code DINA10 today to get a little discount off of your membership. If you want to learn more about Hustle Crew, I've left some links in the show notes as well for you to look into that. 
This is the last episode for this season. So I will see you all in January 2022. Until next time.